Church, good day to you. It is June 24th. And on this Wednesday, in a week that is um, a junk drawer type of week, a week that just acknowledges that uh, quarantine is hard, it puts a hard stop on many things that our hearts were attached to, and so there's tattered threads that we're longing to be recollected and strung together into a new moment. And some of us are tired of waiting. And so we charge out there into the world and and we're confronted with more surges, countries falling into disrepair, governments that are feuding within themselves. It's like the world is burning. <laughs> and we ask, what do we do? Well, on Monday we talked about this, the simple beauty of refuge in Jesus. And yesterday we just identified how we might actually be seen by Jesus and the exposure of trust in that element and the gift, but the challenge that that is. And today I, I want to reckon with a thing that continues to come up in conversation a few weeks back, as we were in the midst of, and s- still are, this global pandemic, um, it just took a pause, a, a brief pastoral aside in a, in a Sunday teaching to um, talk about how God is not in control. <laughs> and that itself is a, um, a, a pretty intense statement and some of scoff at that and oh that's just clickbait or whatever but we tend to absolutize or radicalize things when we find them in scripture do we not like we see that god is unchanging and in absolute control he predetermined all things so we make them an absolute reality and this I think prevents us from reckoning with the way that the biblical authors empowered by the spirit portray God specifically in relationship to humanity, that God relents, that he repents, he turns aside. And so we create this kind of false dichotomy and we fail to recognize that God is in genuine relationship with his creation. And, and this is, this is a reckoning of sorts for me. Um, just maybe this is a, a look into how the sausage is made, but, um, you know, reckoning with real evils and real suffering and claiming that God is good, it just, it does something to our hearts. It, it strains them. And not in bad ways, but uh, we just don't like to be strained. It's like it takes us to the edge of ourselves. And really, like this, this affects how we pray. It affects how we respond in suffering. If we think that God is in absolute control and that everything that happens was predetermined, then, then really we, we probably don't even pray that much because what's the point? And when we suffer, we may feel that we are offending God when we grieve or lament it. It's this kind of catch 22. 
And then things get caught up in there of like, well, maybe I'm being punished or maybe this is judgment. And I'm, I'm not intending to <laughs> quell a uh, millennia long, if not longer, um, dispute on, on uh, the, the nature of, of God. <laughs> That's not what we're going to do here in the next few minutes. But what I want to do is invite you into that space, that space of wrestling that space of mystery, that, that space where um, the scriptures portray God as, as being in genuine relationship with humanity, entrusting his sovereignty to a people, renewing creation through promise, putting his own name on the line. I'm going to invite you in, into that space, a space where we actually read that God declares the end from the beginning. It's in Isaiah 46, but we can't fathom how God would, who does that can change course. And this, I think, is why it's important that we lean into this space. And, and that we, wherever you land on the theological landscape of this conversation, that you actually entertain this, this moment as is a moment where you can attend to many of the things that fell out as you were flipped upside down in this season and you saw your junk, all the stuff just kind of fall out. (laughs) And here's what I mean. Just as God's spirit groans with the groaning of creation, we too are invited to lament and grieve over human suffering. See, rather than thinking that that God orchestrates all these things. But see, scripture directs us to hope in God's ultimate triumph over evil and suffering, which means that there's a reckoning with the wills at work in the world. And so we pray a prayer like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We we pray prayers like this that then lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. We pray prayers like this where we're asking for God's will to be done here because our will is here. And God honors that. He honors our rejection. He honors our partnership. And yet what we see is that Jesus, Jesus is the image of the one who fully submitted his will to the Father's will, knowing that the Father's will for his creation is the greatest in the cosmos. He said, I build all of this up just to say that we actually have a prayer. We don't have, we don't have to do the Protestant thing where we do extemporaneous prayer and just try and make up what we, like we have the prayers from the lips, like it's the prayer school of Jesus. You might know it as the Lord's prayer, where then in each little moment you get to think through that. Our father in heaven, you have the audacity of a child to come to him. We get to call him father hallowed be your name like to hallow something is to set it aside as holy there's 
His name is holy. His name is set apart. It is, it's beautiful. It's unapproachable and yet seen fully in the image of Jesus. He makes the invisible visible. He has a kingdom. (laughs) Hold on. Tell tell me about this kingdom of Jesus, because I'm seeing the kingdoms of this world feud and shake their fists. Tell me about this, this other, there's another kingdom. And, and I can actually like usher that in. I can ask for his will to be done here, wherever I am as it is in heaven. And then it, suddenly turns very personal and it seems as though his will is activated in my life. He would give me provision, like things from daily bread to kingdom come. This is, this is the Jesus that we serve. And so we come into this space, not to incite a theological debate. Maybe, okay, maybe just a little bit. Um, you can email me at Kyle at the Gateway Church if you want to talk about this stuff more, not to feud with one another, but to learn from one another. But we come to this space because there is a God who has a desire for renewal. And he invites us to hope in his ultimate triumph over evil and suffering. And he desires to do that through us. And so if you came here to say, oh, God, this is a bit preachy. I came here to like center my mind and heart, maybe do a contemplative prayer. Um, ap- apologies. <laughs> um, maybe the next moment is a simple moment to do a listening prayer. <laughs> maybe it is a moment to just take time and reckon with that God who is here to hear you. A God who makes space for you to sit at his feet. A God who put on flesh. A God who was betrayed by one of his closest followers and friends. A God who knows your suffering. So let us now make space to listen, to hear, to cry out, to lament. And if you have no words, Use the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm.